You're listening to the Global Sales Leader Podcast with your host, Jason Cooper. This very special episode, you'll be listening to Deb Calvert. She has an interesting career, very collective. So you're going to really like this. Uh, she's one of the global leaders within this space. Uh, and she's phenomenal at what she does. So if you'd like to hear more, for myself, Jason Cooper, you can go on to jasoncooper.io or email me at jcooper at jasoncooper.io. If you're one of these global experts out there that are listening into all of those other experts, uh, if you'd like to go on board and uh, if you would like to be interviewed by myself, please come on board and uh, speak to me. That'd be great. Wonderful. Um, please enjoy this. And if you like what you hear, please like and share with everyone else. Excellent. Good afternoon. Good evening. And wherever you are in this world, I absolutely welcome you right now to the second part in my episode, The Global Sales Leader. And I've got a really exciting guest today. I found her on the internet. And I was absolutely taken back by how well she's come across. And uh, her website just took, took me a step back. So welcome, Deb. And I'm really delighted to have a chat with you today. Oh, thank you, Jason. The pleasure is all mine. Thank you for the invitation. You're absolutely welcome. So I'm your host, Jason Cooper. I'm a sales strategist, sales coach. I help sales teams deliver better results. This is all about insightful leaders and insightful leaders, sales leaders. It's all about gifted leaders who employ brilliant and intriguing and almost awesome strategies to best effect. Today, I'm going to give you a little bit of an intro, but Deb, I'm going to make sure that you elevate whatever I say on here to a better degree because what I've copied from the internet uh, about you is second to none by what you're going to actually say about how wonderful you are. So you've actually got two books in circulation at the moment. And look, I'd like you to probably have a chat about that in a few moments. You're on the global gurus list of top influencers within the sales around the world. So that's it's absolutely awesome. So uh, Deb has been named the 65th most influential women in business in the top sales thought leaders to follow around the globe. I think you're probably slightly higher than that, but that's what I'm getting from there. You're sales expert. So this is what all of this show is all about. So Deb, again, welcome. And it's People First Productivity, which is the name of your website. And we'll have a look at that uh, in, in a short while. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you very much. So Deb, could you uh, uh, take, Cast me back to how you started in this industry and where you came from uh, as, as a result of that and sort of your incremental steps up the, up the ladder to where you are today. Well, I have always been selling. I was uh, about four years old when my parents set me up with a little red wagon and vegetables from our garden. And I went door to door through the neighborhood selling cucumbers and squash and tomatoes and peppers uh, to all the neighbors. And I just thought it was fun. For me, that was every bit as much fun as riding my bicycle or, or doing anything else. Uh, and as I got a little bit older, I was in an organization called the Campfire Girls. We sold candy every year. 
And I, from the very beginning, I, I was competitive. I wanted to sell the most, and I did every year except for one. Lorna Kroll beat me one year. Oh no! But, um, <laughs> but I had all of those those wonderful national honors, and uh, I I was motivated to sell that candy because you could win camperships, which were like scholarships to go to a summer okay. camp. And I wanted to go as many weeks as possible. So then I, I, I was in school. I was always, I think, selling ideas and selling something for some club. And I was good at it. But mm -hmm. it never occurred to me that that would be a career. I went and pursued other things, debate and journalism, and liked both of those in hindsight because they were places where I could ask questions and places where I could explore ideas and help people. And when I finally finished school and went to get my first job, it was a job at a newspaper. I, I had a journalism degree, but the yeah. first job they'd hire me for wasn't uh, in the newsroom. Yeah. <laughs> it yes. was. Uh, yeah. I do apologize for that. My son just popped in. He's the best salesperson I've ever known. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> and, you know, salespeople, they, they open doors. So uh, he do. was just emulating Absolutely. that for us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So sorry, Dev. Would you carry on? Uh, I do apologize about my son, uh, but we keep oh. this in anyway. No, it's quite all right. Um, so I, I was at a newspaper. The first job that I could get there was not in the news side. It was in the advertising side, selling ads. I took that job figuring I'd meet the right people and I'd make my way over to the news department. But then I found out that everything I wanted to do, making a difference, helping people, asking questions, building things, innovating, all of that was available through sales, and I never looked back, and I've had a, an incredible career from that newspaper onto the corporate parent, uh, working across 31 markets, mm -hmm. uh, overseeing sales and sales training. And uh, when that company sadly closed its doors 15 years ago, I went into business for myself at that time. Wow. So yeah, by, by looking at what you've done, you've um, helped a number of companies out there sort of to scale up and develop their all of their sales attributes and i think it's all about serving others and building that relationship and making sure those relationships grow so tell, tell me a little bit more about your, your company now and what you do now in your business today yeah uh, people first productivity solutions what we do is we help organizations to, to build their strength by putting people first, not profits, not processes, not products, people, because people drive everything else that, that you might want in business. And the three areas of our business are sales productivity, leadership development, and team effectiveness. Those might sound very different, but what they have in common is that they're all about connecting with other people. Mm-hmm. So tell me about your approaches within the, the three different areas, because I'm fascinated by everyone's approach to things uh, and, and everyone's approach to how people can actually become first, because that's, all, that's what it's all about. So I'm delighted with that. We emphasize certain E's in business, the letter E, because it stands for important things. It stands for engagement. You have to engage your employees to be successful with any business strategy. Mm -hmm. E for experience. We all know the importance these days of, of providing a value-creating experience for our customers and people around us. Uh, e for both enablement and ennoblement, a lesser-known word. Ennoblement meaning to make others feel worthy and important in the work that they do. And last but not least, another little-known word that starts with E, and that's entelechy, 
it means to realize the full potential. So if you can realize the full potential of yourself and others, everything is more fun and it mm -hmm. becomes easier. So those that's are another e that's another two E's on top of those acronyms that you have there. That's that's incredible. I like I like the way you distilled that right down uh, because it makes the process a lot easier to understand. So I, I can imagine the empowerment of the, the the professionals that you're working with that they get it just like that, which is important. And you call so, that another E, an outcome being yeah. empowerment. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, we should actually work together on this because <laughs> I see we that. can actually come up with a lot more acronyms based around E and all of that. So, uh, look, diversity and inclusion is quite a massive thing at the moment. I, I know I sort of changed the question, but I wrote that down as a sort of um, how, how are you? Because um, for me, I. I see just people working regardless of male, female, or, or the colors of race, creed or color. So you're, you're obviously making an impact in that area. So how is it like in, in the state side, making an impact, being an impactful lady, woman, like you are? Well, I do think it's very important and it's tricky. How do you ennoble, empower and elevate any one person, let alone one group, Mm -hmm. without taking something away from someone else. And that's really important to me, but it's delicate because there, there are so many things around privilege and around uh, all that we, we don't understand that makes that difficult. I come from, uh, I think, a, a very um, interesting place where I can think in that way. My mother was one of the first US women Marines. And wow. as one of the first, she had many notable accomplishments. She was the first of a group of 13 to go overseas. Uh, she was one of the very first ones that was ever tasked with recruiting other women Marines. And so she became something of a, of a model on all sorts of posters and, and whatnot, advertisements. Wow. Um, she was also the first to be uh, dishonorably discharged from the U.S. Women Marines for being pregnant out of wedlock, which is how I came to be. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, well, well, delighted for that. <laughs> well, lots of interesting firsts and learnings along the way. And she, um, she had a philosophy. She was before the word existed. I, I do believe she was something of a feminist. And her belief, though, was always, and she taught me this from a very young age. Her belief was, you need to give more to everyone not take away from someone to give to another person. There's plenty there. You give everybody more. And so that's just sort of how I operate. And and I say that with that caution on it, because I know that that can be so easily misunderstood when some already start with more, that that sounds like you aren't uh, recognizing and, and creating that, um, that equality and that um, equity that needs to be there too. But, but I, I do believe when you are well-intentioned that anything is possible and you just have to work a little harder at it. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I like that. And I, something that I didn't know about yourself. So that's a really good thing to, to have. And that's a great legacy to carry on from what your mum, your mother's done uh, to get so many firsts in so many areas. Now it's turned for yourself to do so many firsts in some new areas to deliver exceptional results. And I'm sure that you're incredibly gifted about what you do. So um, tell me about um, the HubSpot accolade that you actually had. So I wrote a little note down there. Uh, I know I'm slightly drifting off the, the original subject, but I, I, I looked at that and 
I, I know you've got an accolade in there. So that was a really powerful thing to have. It's one of those firsts that you mentioned. I'm, I am proud of that. Um, so HubSpot curates an Amazon list of, of book reviews. And they created a list. It started as top 20. I think now it's top 23. I'm, I'm still on there. Um, but that <laughs> list is was the top 20 most highly rated sales books of all time. And I was the first woman and the first self-published author to be on that book with the book, Discover Questions, Get You Connected. And, you know, it's a, it's a pretty good list. The other people on that list are very well known, Zig Ziglar, Brian Tracy, and, and others. Uh, and so I so much appreciate all the people who have read the book and reviewed it favorably and found value, but that HubSpot and Amazon made that possible for others to uh, see it in that light. That's awesome. And uh, like, while we're on the subject of your book, Discovery, um, can you tell me a little bit about the book? Uh, it's on my bucket list now to have, uh, as well as uh, an accolade of other books, but uh, it will be up there as well, because if I can learn some more from the likes of yourself, I think that's a gift back to me and I can give it to others. Well, thank you. Um, so the word discover is an eight letter acronym. Each of the eight letters stands for a unique purpose for asking questions. And this is based on research with buyers and in field with sellers across a broad swath of industries. Over 10,000 sales calls are rolled up into that book and into the conclusion that actually there are only eight purposes for ever asking a question. And in sales, by and large, we tend to rely very heavily on about three of those. Mm -hmm. So if you ask the other types, you actually you will have an advantage. You'll be creating more of a value uh, for your customers, giving them an experience and getting them to think more um, critically and, and, and more deeply about what you're asking them. Can you tell us a little bit more about that so we can sort of feed forward and help the audience sort of understand the acronyms and the different areas of that? So you get a, a richer area. So people in audio land that can actually listen to this now, um, we're available on iTunes and Spotify and loads of others like that. I can't remember them all, but there's a whole flurry of others. But uh, I think this would be really interesting. Well, let me start with the ones that everybody already knows. The, you know that you have to ask data questions and consequence questions, the pain points, and outcome questions about hopes, dreams, plans, goals, visions that customers may have for the future. Those are very, very commonly asked by all sellers yeah. everywhere. The other five letters all stand for something else. I'll give you my favorite, and that's the V. V stands for value. Once you tell me, Jason, what it is you want to accomplish, I should be following up to ask you, why does that matter? And how much does that matter? And out of all those goals that you listed, which one is the most important to you right now? Mm -hmm. And when I know that as, as a salesperson, not only can I help you to achieve it, because I've also helped you to articulate it and to have it top of mind, but I can also come back to that when you get a little tied up with thinking about price or some other criteria that is really taking you away from what you truly want to achieve and, and why you want to achieve it. Value questions are extremely important and buyers like them. <laughs> they, they express appreciation when sellers ask those kinds of questions and make them think in that way. Yeah, because it's all about emotions at the end of the day, uh, because people buy from people that they like and trust, but they also buy from brands and people that they connect with. 
Yes. But it is that emotional feeling, like, touched by heart or, or near my heart anyway, yeah, because people feel, and it is, uh, according to neuroscience, it's that resonation. Uh, and if you can equip people with uh, it, images in their mind about what they can actually achieve and what they can actually have, uh, I think it's the neocortex, which is the, 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 the thinking, it's the emotional brain. So if they do that connection, and I love stories as well. I think stories make people and metaphors that resonate with them in such a different way. And I'm sure your book does all of that and, and, and more, and value is based on that as well. So how, how do you feel on that? Well, I, I agree. Stories and metaphors uh, are important. You're talking then about the language of, of leaders, of, yeah. of people we want to follow who will guide us someplace. And I would say if, if you were looking for that particular topic, you might find it more in the, in the second book, Stop Selling and Start Leading. Discover Questions is about building trust and rapport, constructing questions, sequencing questions, using the eight purposes of questions to uh, fully understand the, the person that you're working with. And then, yes, you're going to package that back into a, a story where they are the main character, not you. Mm -hmm. And um, where you, if any role, you are the, the charging in on the white horse to help save the day. Absolutely awesome. So talking about charging on a white horse to save the day, like we're all in this worldwide uh, situation that we're all in this pandemic stuff. Some people are thriving. Some businesses are thriving, some businesses not so thriving. So what can sales leaders do to really help connect with their, 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 their buyers out there in a more of a, a, authentic way and showing a little bit more uh, empathy? Because empathy is a big word right now, but it, it, does, it, it is means to be true. Well, I think it really does tie back to what experience are you creating for that buyer? And an experience, it's more than we had a nice conversation. It's more than, hey, you accepted my connection on LinkedIn, so I pitched you. But an experience, if you can think in, in those terms, it does elevate everything that you do and it, and it changes your intention for, for what you are providing. An experience is made up of every touch point that the customer has, but if you're a salesperson, that one is the one that you are primarily responsible for and you better make it good. You want to differentiate yourself. Mm -hmm. You need to create value in the conversation, not the someday value, but right now as we're talking. For example, I, I might ask you a question that is so thought-provoking and, and causes you to, to realize something that you missed. That's an experience I'm going to remember. It's an experience that's going to create a bond between us. And it's an experience that differentiates you from all the other sellers who are asking canned, boring, yeah. not high value questions. Yeah, yeah. And put people to sleep as well. Like you really want to, if you're speaking to someone, you want to connect with them. Uh, I interviewed a guy way back uh, called Ted Rubin, and he turns about return on relationship as opposed to return on investment. And I think that's such a good way of uh looking at things in a slightly different way. It makes me smile every time I hear it because it, it is return on relationship and it's how much you can build that relationship because we know that once you built that relationship, you're, it's going to be repeated again and again and again. Yeah, say his name again. Ted Rubin, is it R-U-B-I-N? Ted Rubin, yes, Ted Rubin. Uh, so uh, definitely a person to connect with uh, and he's also very good. So tell me this. Um, 
what do you think the main challenges that uh, sales leaders and salespeople are facing right now, apart from this uh, world, worldwide uh, epidemic that we're having, and how can we overcome it? I actually believe that in the midst of the pandemic, before it, certainly after it, the biggest challenge is that we are all fighting an uphill battle to overcome negative stereotypes about selling. Yeah, and I don't right. know why we're still talking about this. You would think it's decades old and we would have overcome it by now. <laughs> but professional selling, what I call sellership, is at risk. P people fall into those stereotypes. They think they have to be the wolf of Wall Street or you know some other <laughs> negative stereotype of a pushy salesperson, yeah. when in fact that is not what buyers want at all. We know from other research uh, that we did for the book Stop Selling and Start Leading that buyers want sellers to show up as leaders, to, to behave as leaders behave, mm -hmm. to guide them to new places that they haven't been before. And sellers, by and large, seem to either not know that at all or to be somewhat dismissive of that because it seems oh inefficient or unlike what, what they're learning about and, and seeing emulated elsewhere. So I think that is the, the biggest challenge. It it hurts all of us when some of us behave in those stereotypical negative ways. Yeah, I, I, I like to think that the 1980s approach has gone, but uh, in, in some instances it hasn't, and that pushes us all down. But really, it's if you have a look around us, the technology that we're talking on, someone sold that. So the computer screens that we're looking on, someone has actually sold that. So wherever we look around, someone is selling one thing to another. And I even go as far as solicitors, uh, accountants, and all of that. They're selling their services. So they're salespeople, and we're all salespeople. Yes. Uh, so that's the way I like to look at it. And uh, uh, what do you think the best characteristics of a really good seller is? An ability to listen well, not not let what you've heard before crowd out what's being said right now. So listening very much in the moment to that person to seek to understand them before you seek to be understood. And along with that, good critical thinking skills so that you are able to process what you're hearing, not so you can respond, but so that you can understand. Yeah, and I think that's uh, probably uh, the one of the best skills that you can learn it's like a muscle. We train our muscles and we go into the gym and we work out. But the, that muscle in the brain that we need to learn to listen to is probably the most important one that we've got. And I'm really understanding the customer and jumping into their shoes as well. So what golden nuggets can you give us that uh, uh, for the listeners out there that can they can go, wow, that's incredible? Hmm. Well, um, based on buyer research, we asked about 30 behaviors that buyers would like to see more often in their sellers. And um, this was a panel study with 530 B2B buyers. And sellers are often surprised, but I think this is extremely important. One of the things that buyers want more than anything from you is they want to participate in creating what they want. In other words, they want a two-way dialogue. They don't want you to interview them and go away and come back with a solution. They want to be participants in that. They, they want it to be collaborative with you. And the more you can do with, instead of two, instead of four, with your buyer, the more they're buying in along the way. The harder it's going to be for them to say no when it's all said and done because it's theirs. Their own imprint is right on it. 
I can care with that because you just stole a question that I was thinking of actually is uh, how do you think sellers can work with people in a more authentic way and collaboration is the key really because they get buy into it straight away and they they feel like they're part of the the process they don't feel like they're being sold to now so it's it's um I think Oren Clough actually says um they buy it as opposed to you selling it, which is the probably the best way to sell, really, I think. Like they've already bought into it before you've actually sold it to them. Yes. So I, I think that's incredible. I'm going to actually throw a curveball here. If you had a superpower and you only had a superpower for five minutes, and but you're using it for sales, I'm basing it on a movie I saw the other week, but you only have five minutes with this superpower. How would you use it? Hmm. Be anything that you'd like it to be? That is a big question. Um, you know, I think I'd use it to travel back in time. I can think of five little minutes in time when I wish there was something I had done differently. So in sales, even if I could yeah, get in yeah. a time machine and go back for one minute to five different places and know something and do something differently, that would be my superpower. It might be a dangerous one, but uh, that's what comes <laughs> to mind. <laughs> And uh, what do you think you would learn from that? And what, what do you think you can give forward to that when, when you've got those? I think I would learn a lot. I, I, I think these are seminal moments for me where I had to learn a hard way. Um, I think I would learn to be more nimble, not rigid, to embrace learning, even if it means failing, to um, cut myself a little slack and not be so hard on myself uh, in the ways that may have cost me a little time having to, to overcome the, the negative feelings that, that I had about something. Um, so mostly, I suppose, what I would gain from all of that is deeper insight that would ultimately result in, in more confidence. And uh, confidence you actually uh, do need in a manner of speaking in sales. I was actually going to ask uh, another question, but I think you might have taken it there, but I'll ask you anyway. What do you, what advice can you give to people starting out in the, the careers now within sales and then they're stepping up so two two point question now they've stepped up to be a sales leader so what two pieces of advice could you give well i this is my go-to advice for people who are new to any career i had a a manager once uh, he was the vice president of advertising at a newspaper and he was brand new to the job on a day when i was going to be turning in my notice i was going to take a different job and we had these monday morning kickoff meetings he came in brand new none of us had met him before and the first thing he said as, as he was introducing himself to all of us was in my life i have always chosen to go to work at places where I can learn the most from the people who are there. It's not mm -hmm. for me, it's not about the pay, it's not about the clout or the title, it's about where can I go where I'm going to learn the most from people who are there. And I had that letter of resignation in my hand. I thought I was gonna leave this meeting and go turn it in. And he just stopped me dead in my tracks because I looked around me at all my colleagues and coworkers there, such smart, gifted, fun people who had taught me an awful lot. Yeah. And I thought about the other place I was gonna go and couldn't come up with a single example of what I might learn. I was going in there as the one who, who knew stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I, I stayed there because of him saying that that day. And so that's the advice I give all people when they're new in their career. Go to the place where you can learn the most. 
And then for people who are stepping into some sort of management role, I would say, make sure you know how to manage. Make sure you know, more importantly, how to lead. You manage work for today, the results you need now, but simultaneously, you also have to lead people. That's for the long term and for the future. And that involves being able to grow the capacity of every single person on your team. Sales managers, unfortunately, too often focus only on the results and the numbers and burn up the people. So. Yeah, that's uh, an unfortunate thing, actually. And I, I, I think it's um, like you could be the best exceptional salesperson out there. But as soon as you go into a management role, things change. Then you don't know how to lead. And uh, something that you have to learn, and I always advise get a mentor, learn as much as you can from the people that are doing it really well within the industry, or go on a course, or, or, or come to yourself, Deb, and learn from the, the master themselves how, how to effectively communicate with people. And because it's bringing people along in the same direction as opposed to shoveling life rafts left, right, and center so they all flee off and go in their own direction. So let's hope they all go in the same direction. To Deb, Tell us how people can find out a lot more about yourself. Uh, well, the, the website is People First PS, stands for People First Productivity Solutions. The first two words are spelled out, People First PS. Um, or connect with me on LinkedIn. I always appreciate uh, someone saying, hey, I saw you on uh, the podcast with Jason. I'd like to connect with you. That's always fun. So do that. And if you want to meet a whole bunch of other really incredible people. Also take a look at the salesexpertschannel.com. That's my give back to the sales community. And now we've had about 500 sales experts. There's a, over a thousand presentations and it's all free. It's all fabulous. And wow. um, it's a great resource. I'm definitely going to check that out because if I, I'm, I'm, I'm an avid learner. So if I can learn one, two, five things more, I'd be happy. I'd be completely happy. Tell us about your books as well while, while I've got you here, because we yeah. briefly touched on them. Um, on Amazon, the first one is Discover Questions, Get You Connected. And the second one is Stop Selling and Start Leading. They're both based on research directly with buyers, and they're both about becoming better at the work you do in selling. But they have a, a side benefit of really helping you in all areas of life. I, I, I am often overwhelmed by the stories people bring back to me about how those books have helped them, not just in sales, but in other places too. Uh, this interview has been absolutely awesome, Deb, and I'm absolutely humbled by the amount of knowledge that you've given back and given forward to people that are listening in here. And I always think if people take one chance to listen to something that helps them grow personally or professionally, I think that's a gift. And I think you've given a lots of gifts out here to enable people to grow and learn, and especially by your websites and especially by your books and uh, how you've articulated what you do today and the golden nuggets that you've given. So I thank you for that. Well, thank you. That's the best compliment I could possibly hear. Thank you. Thank you very much again.